Hey, we're Ramones of the Day, and this is What'd You Do? One, two, three, four! joined today by a special guest. Uh, his name is Matt Nadler, but folks and fans may know him by his, I almost said original name, of Big Matt. <laughs> Hello, Matt. How are you guys doing? We're good. How are you? Awesome. Awesome. Good. Uh, yeah, Matt, um, I, I don't know your what your official title was when you were working for the band. What do you... Well, yeah, it's funny, because um, I heard Little Matt's story, and it's... Um, I actually know how the name came about, which was funny enough, um, because we were, you know, we saw he he was hired by the band and make a long story, try to make a long story as long as possible. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> he was invited to go on the road because the Johnny, you know, they need a roadie. One, um, Joey's brother was quitting, uh, so they need another roadie. And uh, Matt, Matt and I promised each other we'd take this cool bus. There was a bus called the True Gray Rabbit, which went across country. <clears throat> and we're going to go see my father in California because we, were, you know, I sort of grew up in New York my whole life, but every summer I went to visit my dad, so I became this New York, California kid, sort of, and um, I love California, I always tell little Matt he loved him, as well as his wife, but, um, so, when we were, <laughs> he promised he'd go with me, and the band, then all of a sudden he got this job offer, he said, well, I can't go unless my best friend Matt goes, uh, joins, so, I don't want to bore you with those details, but, so we both ended up having this great opportunity to go on the road with the Ramones, and it was like, and when we f- were into a few shows, and a few shows, and the band got really comfortable with us, remember, they were, Unlike other rock stars at the time, they weren't rock stars at all, but other bands who, you know, would hire roadies, different roadies. There was no real connection between the road crew and the band. Some, you know, obviously mm-hmm. some great musicians had their personal guitar techs, their personal drum techs. Uh, the Ramones needed a lot of love and attention. Dee Dee and uh, Joey, which I love doing, leaved, actually needed more of an emotional tech, which I served that purpose as well. And Matt was... You know, <laughs> and Did you put that on your resume? Uh, yeah, that's another story. But um, so it's really, I mean, it was a great thing. But what would happen was we all, because we're all from Forest Hills and we're all, it's interesting, they were all older than us. And I won't say we were tight. I mean, Matt used to see him hanging around and I used to see Joey in the street looking kind of a little strange. But we weren't like we were hanging out with them because we were these, you know, we were kids. We were into Led Zeppelin. I've always been the voice guy, you know, loving, always into the singer, always into the lyrics. I'm a songwriter myself, not for a living, but just for a hobby. You know, Matt was always the guitar guy. So we were like great partners that way. So we, so when we were both doing our jobs, the Ramones like would come into the uh, into the theater, if you will, or even the club, and they'd say, "Hey, Matt," and we both turn around. Um, and I, I don't know if it was Monty or Artie, or it could have been even Dee Dee. Uh, they all sort of had this weird sense of humor. But one of them decided that, "Hey, we got to fix this." So they coined him Little Mac, because obviously he was thinner, and I had I, they called me Big Mac because I had the broader shoulders and. Um, and that's sort of how that started. But and to this day, it's you know to me, it's a it's a pride of honor to be called Big Mac for those that know of us. And it's, <laughs> and I actually you know I sort of forgot I did it. And then I had a little bullet point at the bottom of my resume. But and when I go on these job interviews back in the day, it's like, oh, you're a roadie for the Ramones? That's cool. What is that like? And it's like, oh my God, I spent the whole time talking about the Ramones, which <laughs> yeah, which is really bizarre, right? Because uh, you know, I basically left the band to win us. I didn't want to support somebody else's career, to be honest with you. I want to have my own career. But that's not what this is about, I don't think. Um, <laughs> well, it can be. <laughs> we, can, we can delve into that. Yeah, that's it. Um, 
so I, I let me get out some specifics and then we can get into those tangents. Sure, sure. Um, so we are we are technically here to talk. Do we gathered here today <laughs> to talk about a song called "What'd You Do"? Yeah, yeah. This is from 1983's yeah. 1983's Subterranean Jungle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is ri- written by Joey Ramone. Yeah, yeah. Um, I gave it a song category of love. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it's a very Ramones-y kind of love because she's crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. yeah, it seems that way. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to recall the day, deadline, but for my, for my, I could be wrong about this, and it could have happened before and after. But I was feeling it was about because my dates were always mixed up in my head. Like if you know, it feels like I worked for them for ten years, even though I didn't, um, just because mm-hmm. we, we were on the road for so many days back then. I mean, constant. Yeah. But yeah. it felt like I thought this was a song about sort of Linda, sort of about Linda. You know, um, like you promised you'd be there for me all the time. And, oh, I can see that. You know, and he totally. Um, and it's interesting, the band, unlike other bands, you didn't normally have to figure out what they were talking about, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, you, know, it's like, yeah. you know, I don't want you around. I don't care, you know. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, they were very great. At, I mean, I always used to, I was talking to Legs McNeil once. I don't know if you know, he's a great author. Of Yo, yeah, Roe, but absolutely. I always compare, and this is a true story, I, I always compare the Ramones to like, if they were, they actually were the South Park of their day. <laughs> yeah, you know, totally. If you listen to their song titles, if you listen to the guys talk, I mean, Joey and Dee Dee were sort of could have been could have written all of the episodes for South Park if you gave them a little time. Um, yeah. And because if they had that sort of that uh, sort of I would say sort of a demented but still very genuine look on life, you know, it's like every, so everything yeah. they felt they shared. They were I mean, they got, here's what happens with everyone. You know, everyone gets guarded as they get older, but you knew what Joey was feeling. You knew what Dee Dee was feeling. Uh, you know, Johnny was more of the hard rock and. Tommy was the intellectual, but those two guys really run on, ran on, you know, heart and soul, those two guys. I, that's, I always yeah. felt with the heart and soul of the band. Mm-hmm. So I think that song, if, if anything, it's about Linda, and she was just really pissed because, you know, when I was with him, he was dating Robin, and Robin was an amazing woman, unfortunately. I think she died this year. Um, but Linda mm-hmm. was a gorgeous girl, um, you know, madly in love with Joey for a time. And um, he was smitten with her to God's know, you know, just how, when people, oh, yeah. big time. And then I think uh, if this was that timeline, to me, it's all about Linda and what the, I'm not going to curse because on the radio, but it's like, what did you do? I immediately I, thought it was about Linda. You did? Yeah. yeah. I totally, I think your timeline's right, Matt, and you're probably right. And I just totally had blinders on to stuff where I'm like, I don't know, it's mm. about a girl. I totally yeah. forgot. It was like, oh, it could be about the one that we've talked about so often together. Yeah. Yeah, it might very well and be. I was Especially pissed. the tone of it. Well, I was pissed. You because, were? Well, not pissed at the song, but, you know, this album got, like, for all the things I read about it, it was like, you know, Joey took, uh, Johnny took back the reins. Um, so mm. it was really, you know, I mean, the joke about the album cover is, God bless Marky, I love Marky, but he wasn't, no one, at the time, he was putting that window on purpose. You know, if, yeah. yeah. If you know yeah. anything about the album cover, um, yeah. I don't think he knew at the time, which actually, in hindsight, is not necessarily funny. But it was, it's it's sort of a Ramones no, thing. No, it's awful, <laughs> and it's kind of childish. Well, that's, you know, but, but, that's but the it, it's so yeah. obvious to everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. And that's South Park, by the way, right? Um, yeah. yeah. So but um, it's on brand. Yeah, totally. I love that you just said that, by the way, because they were always on brand, and Johnny was great <laughs> yeah. at keeping them on brand, and so was Tommy. Um, but that's another. That's actually, I wish I could talk to him for like five days. But um, uh-huh. so what happened was, I think it was about them. And I think Subterranean Jungle was sort of a, you know, there was such strife in the bag. Marky was, uh, I hate to say Marky and Joey both drinking a lot. 
Didi was doing his, you know, I love Didi, so I, you know, Didi was sort of like a, this, I was like a, I don't know, just a child and he took care of, but when he hit the stage, he was, every, here's the thing, when the Ramones were off stage, they were one way. When they hit the stage, they owned the world, right? Mm. There was nothing, when Joey hit the stage, that was his platform to tell the world who he was. As soon, and I remember clearly because I would walk both Dee Dee and Joey off stage. One of my jobs was to make sure Joey got off stage safely. And I know yeah. it sounds weird, but back then, you know, it was like I said, part of our jobs, more so than mine, the little mask, because Johnny was so present all the time and such so Gestapo that he didn't need an emotional tech. You know, he had his, mm -hmm. his girlfriends he, he could hang out with for that. But Joey and Dee Dee uh, and Tommy was always just like super independent about everything. But Joey and Dee Dee were the guys who needed love, hugs. And it's funny, we never talked about the music. It wasn't necessarily talk about it. You know, you take care of the basses, you take care of the drums. I tune the drums. I, uh, Matt took care of the both, really, the bass and the guitar, but I would clean the bass and I would take care of all the DVs and pegs and change all the fuses and all the beautiful things that you don't think you need to know about when you're a roadie. Yeah, right. That you actually mm -hmm. learn about, like how to, turn, you know, how to change an ampeg fuse when, because we had, we had two of everything. So if the few, one head went out, you could change the fuse on and you plug in the other one. But in the pitch black, when everyone's screaming and the shake stayed shaking, how do you, how do you uh, change yeah. the fuse and do a comedy? Well, you learn to do that. And it, it's crazy that you actually learn to do that. But like, and how do you, as Matt, tune a guitar when Johnny's looking at him like with the devil's eyes, get that thing done because I need it in a second. How do you yeah. do it? Yeah. You just learn to do it. It's just, it's funny. You don't think you can do these things as, it's like people don't think they can go into the core and fight a uh, jet fighter, but you can fly a jet fighter if you, you know, if you put your mind to it. Like, yeah. um, so how did you, how did you find your way? Like, where did the start happen? You said you, you like grew up around and you saw them and stuff, but I mean, how did you, how did they say like, oh yeah, you're going to tune the drums. Like, well, how, no, so, how did you learn how to do that? Well, yeah, who knows? Um, <laughs> Matt was hired to be the guitar tech and they needed a drum tech and uh, unbeknownst to me at the time, like I said, they need Joey and Didi need emotional techs, but so mm -hmm. I became, basically I became the drum tuner. And it's interesting because you don't, most people would have maybe taken lessons on how to tune the drums, but I learned just by listening to the songs that Tommy played. So yeah. you actually get used to the sound of each song. So you know the, that skin, the two rack toms, the floor tom, the bass drum, the uh, snare, all have to sound that way in the song. Um, mm -hmm. And it sounds weird to say that, but that's how I learned to do it. I just made sure when he, when I hit that skin, it sounded just like it would in that song. And I memorized all the songs. I mean, I could just like, it's funny how after hearing songs over 350 shows, to this day I know most of the lyrics of all the songs, at least I was on tour for. Yeah. But so I didn't really, I actually didn't, um, I never took a lesson, but uh, Tommy would teach me and, it, and he would teach me how to deaden the sound using, you know, potentially even sanitary napkins if necessary or, gaff or gaffer's tape, you know, little tricks to the road. Um, yeah. And he taught me, like, eventually he set the drums, like, on the, we had a drum riser most of the time. So we set the drums and I put, like, blue gaffer's tape around each leg. And, and I, would, I took such pride in polishing the cymbals because when the cymbals are polished right, the, the light shows. And we're talking about, remember, we have, mm -hmm. <laughs> we're playing small clubs, but we always had Artie. So no matter where we played, Artie tried to make it like it was a gigantic concert, right? So huh. even at CBGB's great light show, you know, we played playing, mm -hmm. uh, you know, um, uh, what was it called? The place in Boston uh, uh, and the place in Toronto and all, the, all these clubs names and beginnings. But he'd always make every show seem like it was a really important show. And that's, I mean, that mm -hmm. was what the Ramones did. They put on the same show they would have put on 
at a huge concert in Madison Square Garden as they would at, you know, at CBGB's because that's how much they cared about their fans. And that they really I, were a fan-driven band. So I, I recently, um, like, sort of in preparation for this, encountered a couple stories of like road tax. Mm-hmm. And there was this one that this guy uh, told. He was like, he was a 14-year-old, I want to say it was in Colorado, who hung around a club that the Ramones were going to play at. And the club owner's kind of like, can you help us just like unload some stuff? Mm-hmm. So he does. And and everything you're saying is corroborated by what he says. Like he's amazed at how, first, how much stuff there is. And then B, how like much attention is given to basically the presentation of like cleaning stuff and setting stuff up. And like you say, polishing the symbols. Oh, yeah. It's it's not something that I think that people think of when they're like, oh, it's like a punk rock show, whatever. But it, like, they were all about an image and they wanted it to look a certain way. So yeah, it, I I get it, but I hadn't thought of it myself. Yeah, it was, um, and it would, Tommy would always play, like play with my head because he knew I polished them and, and he'd go in and, you know, the band really wasn't big on compliments, right? It's, it's like if the show went great. <laughs> no. <laughs> if the show went great, you got like Monty, Monty, their road manager. I don't know if you had a chance to meet Monty, but I used to always call Monto Pronto. No. Uh, I still, I still <laughs> do because he, he was like, you were never late. It was like, camp, it was really like camp. You were in camp Ramones, right? I know people say the Ramones army, but Monty would show up with his whistle and make sure you were up in time. And, and back then, remember, there's no GPS, there's no iPhones. Like he's giving us the instructions and we're taping them to the rearview mirror, you know? Um, oh, man. And it was a beautiful time. But so getting back, so yeah, Tommy would grab the symbols purposely and look at me like, yeah, so you're going to have to clean them again after the show, boy. So it was good, just good as fingerprints all over. First of all, you're going to stop them because you're in the middle of a song. You need to grab them at certain times to stop the rallying. But he also did it just to play me. And Deedee, too, he knew I set the mic a certain way and I took a lot of pride in that. So he'd always play me like he'd stand in front of his mic. And I don't know if you guys, how often you're probably younger than I am, how often you saw the Ramones perform. But Dee would be in front of the mic pounding it with his ass, right? Just to have a, you know, like bouncing it back, bouncing it back, just to, just enough so I think it would fall. So I'm like darting out, darting back, darting out, darting back. And um, it was just, a, you know, it was just a love fest for us. Remember, I was there at the good times, right? I was there in the yeah. beginning. Uh, the band wasn't hating each other yet. Uh, it was all mm. new for everyone. You know, they were excited about the possibility. Oh yeah, for a possibility about everything. We went on the, we toured with the Runaways. We toured with Iggy Pop. We played a bunch of shows with Patti Smith. We played, we played with uh, Tom Petty when he was still a pretty boy in the spandex. So I mean, <laughs> being on the road with Iggy Pop, um, and and getting to dance backstage do the Soupy Shuffle with their dad. You know, remember hunting uh, hunting Tony Sales with the drum and the bass player for uh, Iggy Pop's band for the Lust for Life tour. So Snoopy would sh- Snoopy Snoopy or Sloopy 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 would show I don't feel like Sloopy would show up after shows and uh, and I just met him once. Remember, as a kid growing up with these people, it's not like you're you want their autograph. You're just like, oh my god, I'm in a freak. I told you this in email. I'm in a candy store. Yeah. You know? And I said, and I did the Snoopy shuffle, and I'm and I'm cut back there, and I you know I'm wearing a belly shirt, and he's got this <laughs> grin on his face because he's so proud to be there, not because of himself. Because he's so proud of his sons, remember? So there's all of this love that no one's capturing because all they can think about the last 40 years were the, the strife between Johnny and Linda and all the bullshit. Mm-hmm. It's like these guys started out in such a way that they were, it's funny, the bands that never, the bands that make it, just like in my career in advertising, anyone who makes it in their career are the ones that never stop trying and the ones who think, believe that I can't do anything else, right? Yeah. The Ramones... I mean, Johnny could have been in construction, but what else would Dee Dee and Joey do? I think yeah, I mean, totally. that's what we were always saying too. Totally. Was, I don't know how there was no 
plan B. There was no, there was no plan B. And yeah. even, by the way, even for Keith Richards, I mean, he came from a, you know, he, I mean, not to compare the two, but, and, you know, sure, Jagger was a, you know, financial intelligent, but they, sometimes people are just born to do what they want. And music saved Joey's life. I mean, Mickey tells me the day, Joey's brother tells me the day when he first saw him, I think he first saw him sing at the Coventry in Queens. And, like, he used to always have to take care of Joey. And all of a sudden, he saw Joey take the mic stand. And he just, he was blown away because that's not, who's that guy? Yeah. You know, that's Elvis Costello. My brother's all of a sudden become Elvis Presley, not Elvis Costello, Elvis Presley. So um, I think there was just a lot of beauty in being with them back then. And for us, it was great because, I mean, I hate to say it, but I come from a, matri a matriarchal family. So um, being hitting the road with them really taught you to be responsible. You ever see the movie um, uh, Almost Famous? Oh, yeah. yeah. Remember the great quote my mother says in front of everyone? They don't do drugs. Remember that? <laughs> like, well, yeah. yeah, well, that was sort of my mom as well. You know, my mom was a teacher, and, and it's funny. I remember Matt saying that, oh, Matt quit because his mom said he had to, but actually what really happened was I was able to, which, by, by the way, I probably would have quit if she told me to, because that's how much I love my mom. So Matt and my mother loved little Matt, so we all, and his mother was amazing. Both our mothers have passed away since then, but we had the best moms because they sort of got us. You know, they said, here are my kids. They're kind of... They're kind of, I don't, want to use, I don't want to say we're brilliant, but they're both amazing people. They'll both find their own way their own way, right? So, yeah. um, but they gave us all the rope we needed to, you know, uh, yeah. we will succeed. You raise, the kid, you raise the kid you have, not the kid you are trying to force them to be. Yeah, well, that, um, by the way, yeah. I'm going to hug you for the, saying that, but that's the truth. <laughs> so um, I, I was saying something important for a second. What was it? Oh, I'm sorry. It was about your mom and your, uh, why you Oh, yeah. So, so the Ramones were supposed to go to Japan. You know, at the end of the tour, it was the, I did the whole Rocky Russia tour, and I don't know, Matt said it was a year, I think it was longer than that, though, but it certainly took like four years to get over it, but that's another story I can tell you about. <laughs> it wasn't addiction, it was just being, um, we'll come back to that in a second. But it was really, there. we were supposed to play Japan, and unfortunately, I think during uh, one of the KISS concerts, I think there was a riot, and I think some kids were killed by, obviously by accident, mm. but, so there was a big hold on any concerts or any bands performing in Japan, and at that point, I really knew as much as I wanted to keep doing it because it was freedom like no one would ever understand unless you, until you do it. Um, yes. But it was really time. I always wanted to be, I always had a plan for myself. I just didn't know what it was, but it wasn't to be a roadie my whole life. You know? Yeah. I didn't want to watch, I didn't want to help support someone else's career. I wanted to make my own career, if you will. Um, and I ended up doing exactly what I, I wanted to do, believe it or not. But it just, you know, it's everything, everything takes time, right? Um, yeah, and I, I mean, that time must have been so fun and amazing. Yeah, yes. It's, uh, and to know that that's not going to be your whole life so you can really appreciate it while it's happening. Yeah. Well, yeah, interesting enough. My first, I mean, I had two plans. One was, um, then we can go back to the second song. I don't really want to, um, I guess. No, it's fine. We, we, we got all the time in the world. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's at it, like we say, fix it in the edit, right? But, um, yeah, it's interesting because I had my cousin, Mark Rothbound, um, I was always enamored by him because he became, he made a lot of, uh, well, I won't say money, money's not important, but he became very successful in the music business by managing bands. He managed, he had three band, he had three performers at the time, um, Miles Davis, uh, Wellen Jennings, and Willie Nelson. Well, unfortunately, Wellen and Miles passed away at a relatively early age, I guess, early, whatever that really means in the music business. Yeah. And to this day, he's still <laughs> managing Willie Nelson. So imagine that he, he, like, he's been with Willie, what, 65 years or something, you know, wow. from the very beginning. So I saw, I saw people become successful in the music business. And when I say he manages Willie, Mark will tell you, like, like, well, Willie knows how to make his music. I don't need to manage his music, but it's more about getting him the right venues, 
making sure mm -hmm. he's on the right tour path across the country, doing all the business deals for him. And you yeah. know, he stuck with Willie all the way through his a long time ago. His Willie's creative manager, I mean, his financial manager got him in trouble. Mark got him out of that. You know, Mark's just one of these guys who they it's a, like a love fest. And I think it was just last year, Mark got my honey and I tickets to go see Willie right here in Savannah. Uh, when I moved out here for, well, it's another story for a great job and fell in love and bought a house, yada yada. But um, yeah, so music to me was a place not just to be a roadie, but to really make a major career for yourself, right? Mm. Um, and so I started booking bands, and I started booking my friends, uh, the Propellers, out of Forest Hills. I started booking the Rattlers, which was actually Joey's, Mickey Lee's, Joey's yeah. real brother's band. And so I was booking him around town, and I was booking, uh, I was booking a band called Emmy. I don't know if you ever heard of Emmy, um, but Emmy was, in fact, is, in fact, and will always be, in fact, Madonna. Um, but her, her drummer at the time, she was dating Michael Brady and wanted to call the band after after Madonna, even though the truth is Madonna's mother's name was Madonna, and her mom died of cancer, so she loved her mother. I mean, but there was just a thing about not calling the band after Madonna or whatever. But, so I booked Emmy for a while, and um, I introduced her to a producer. I said, oh, out of all the bands I have, because eventually what happens is sometimes, sometimes, <laughs> if a band is too young or starts out too early and they don't make money fast enough, their wives and their girlfriends say, hey, you want me? Get a real job, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of musicians that say, no, this is who I am. If you love me, you'll stay with me. So um, it doesn't mean that their wives don't love them. My friends who quit the bit music business became detectives, became firemen. It doesn't mean their wives didn't love them, but guess what? My friend who became a detective, he's now touring full-time, and his wife really appreciated it, but he had a whole career as a detective. <laughs> but now, he's, now he's retired like at the age of 50, and now he's in a band touring. So you can still have That's everything, awesome. right? You can always come back to your, you <laughs> yeah. can, you can always come back yeah. to your dreams. You and don't I, have to do it right now. Exactly. And Mickey, too. Mickey's going to make the best music he ever made because now he has the freedom. He doesn't have to worry about the, the other crap he used to have to worry about. But Madonna yeah, is like, I, have a, I still have a demo tape of hers I used to, used to bring into the clubs. And because I was a Sex Ramones roadie, I could get into the places. You know, I can get into tracks. I can get into Max. I can get into Zappas. I may not get a Friday night at 10 p.m., but I could certainly get a Tuesday night at 3 in the morning. <laughs> Someone, you're going to need to play something sometime. That's right. And I love that because I knew everybody. And that's one of the, that's one of the things. I, and even Matt did. It's like, what you miss is the, um, the, even at that young age, remember, it's like you miss feeling important, right? So because when you're in a band, even if you're a roadie, um, and when I say you feel important, it's like you never really knew what it was not to feel like. You never knew what it was like to feel that kind of important, right? Where you get into clubs free, people give you drinks, people say hello mm -hmm. to you. You don't even miss that until you have it. Does it make sense? Yeah. yeah. It's like, so um, we got into, we just had a, we had all of the local New York scenes we had, we could get into anywhere and it was amazing. I got into, I got my band to all these great clubs and I used to invite little Matt and his wife, Laura, to go see Madonna. And they, this is before, but trust me, she was nobody yet, right? She mm -hmm. was sleeping and she was sleeping and performing in the music building because um, she couldn't pay her rent. And I did my guess best to get her good gigs. And then I actually introduced her to a producer. Um, and then I got the call thinking, Matt, come on down. I need to tell you something. Because I'm thinking, oh, my God, she's going to want to sign with me because I got her introduced to this producer. <laughs> and her first words were, well, Matt, she gave me a big kiss. And she said, I had pretty eyes. And she said, thank you so much for introducing me to that guy. He's like, well, I guess I won't be playing anymore because I'm going to the studio, so I no longer need your services. It's like, oh, yeah, exactly, which is, yeah. A, which is a great story, right? It's like, but that's what yeah. she was like. She, she was a turtle hopper. You know, she went from turtle's head to turtle's head to turtle's head until <laughs> she got across the river, and she accomplished yeah. it. And 
I actually love her for never giving up is the point, right? But I still have this tape that if I could sell it at a music auction, this demo tape, <laughs> hey, I'd be sad. I'd be sad. Well, I wouldn't be sad, but, you know, I've never been that person. <laughs> yeah, just right. like, you know, I don't want to. Someone said to me, you're going to write a Ramones book. And I would title it A Roadie Less Traveled, right? <laughs> so I'm glad you guys both got that. Yeah, but yeah. even though it wasn't for the longest time, it really was for the longest time for me. Right? I mean, yeah. we had every, it just for me, it was the most amazing experience. And to this day, there's a, you go to roadie.com, and I could be that 50-plus year old older, you're roadie. But, I, you know, when you fall in love with someone, the road is tough on relationships, you know, um, mm. for any relationship, really. Uh, and, you know, I'm not, you know. I'm not as strong yeah. as that once was, but there's something, <laughs> there's some, the best thing I think about the road is the freedom, and as long as you do your job, the free time is yours. We used to, you know, do a little something, something, and if we got to L.A. from New York quicker, or we got from Dallas to L.A. quicker, we'd have three or four days off to just have a good time, you know, and, um, yeah. Yeah. and it was just a beautiful time for us, and to this day, and when I hear all the strife, I just, I'm never going to be that person who looks back and things with bitterness, because I was there. And I left it. I left on my own terms, if you will. You know. Yeah, um, that's the that's awesome. It is yeah, awesome. that's that's like how you should, kind of how you should do it, right? And and yeah, focus on the, focus on the love stuff. Oh yeah, the love know? stuff, right, right. It, it's it, yeah, it did get. It's funny. I always kind of mention it was like there's sort of a math problem with this type of stuff that like. The you know, and it's also sort of society will focus on, uh, you know, drama and and fighting and stuff like that, but. Yeah, there was a period, <laughs> there was a time when everything was kind of firing, and it just like, oh, well, great, and 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 then another thing happened, and then here we are with this song. Yeah, you know? <laughs> and and Matt, um, you know, what what was that like that day when you realized that they they were bringing you on to go on the road with the Ramones? Was that just a crazy exciting day for you guys, or did it just seem like another job? Or well, it's it's funny because um, I just. I don't actually remember. It's interesting because even though, remember in the band said they were something, right? But back then it's like, and they were in the neighborhood and something, and they had a dream for themselves. But, you know, Matt and I, all we cared about was like, we're listening to the Led Zeppelin. I'm listening to Humble Pie. We're listening to like, yeah, Matt young, said you, know? you guys didn't even listen to the Ramones. <laughs> oh, no. He's were, all, they weren't we even listen to Journey. Oh, we no, like no. Journey better. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know about Journey, but I remember <laughs> definitely playing Hot, Hot, Hot. Hot, what was it? Hot, uh, the journey. Hot for teacher? No, no, no. It was, I think it was. Um, I used to play on my my. I used to play drums on my chairs. You know. Um, anyway, uh, no, we were just into. I was a big. We always sort of like the European sensibility, right? So I mean, mm. I always dreamed about you know, uh, becoming wealthy somehow. Who knew how? And buying a castle in Europe, uh, <laughs> in a Cheshire, and have my whole family live in it, right? That this is my true dream, you know. And, and how I got that vibe was obviously from everything I represent, you know, Led Zeppelin represented. You know, yeah. I love I love Proko Haram, I love Faces. My older brother turned me on to even Steely Dan, so, uh, who was a little heady, but they had great sound. And the Ramones were like not on the radar for either of us, really. And But it's once you, once we were on the road, and here's what happens, and you, it's, it's, once, it's not so much about their albums, it's like listening to their albums, I do it now because I don't have a choice, but seeing them perform live and, and seeing the looks in the kids' faces, um, mm. and even in the clubs, like we played Fort Hood a few times in Dallas or Texas, somewhere in Texas, and the soldiers were, you know, were, no one, they weren't really a big mosh pit band in the beginning. Maybe they did that when they went on bigger tours with different types yeah. of bands, but the soldiers were doing the pogo because you couldn't sit still if you had any heart <laughs> when the Ramones were performing. Um, mm. And when we went to London, I mean, even 
I remember clearly like, okay, uh, they had cars for everybody, right? Even like, so they were, had limousines for every band member and his girlfriend, and even the roadies had their own cars. Just like in London, they were gods, and now even today, Marky goes to Argentina and Brazil. He's a god. But oh, in, yeah. Europe, in Europe, when we played Rainbow Theater in 1977, Elton John came, the cra uh, Clash came. Uh, I think the Sex Pistols were there. I'm not even sure the Clash were a fully formed band yet. The Dam were there. I mean, uh, they had all of these great people who were there. Why? Because they worshipped the Ramones, right? Huh. Why they worshipped the Ramones? Because the Ramones were doing something that they weren't sure they could do, but they really wanted to do, right? And one thing about the Ramones is they never forgot who they were. Like, Joey would always talk to people. Always talk to people, and he, when he went down, when he moved to the East Village, you know, why, didn't he, why do you think they named the street after him, right? They put up the Joey Ramone Street on yeah. 9th Street. Why? Because he didn't hide in his limousine, and he didn't have bodyguards surrounding him. I was just watching, uh, well, for a few minutes, the Justin Timberlake show when he arrives in his big limo, and he's got bodyguards, and of course- You're, you're allowed to watch Justin Timberlake. It's okay. It's cool. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, yeah, every, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of people I like to be surprised, but uh, my point yeah. is that he didn't have to arrive. He wasn't, he wasn't not, first of all, they weren't ever that big, but he would never think that- he never even think that way. He never forgot yeah. who Joey was, right? Joey mm -hmm. was just a kid from Queens who happened to have a beautiful voice. And by the way, his mark on society and on the punk world was his voice, right? So most Definitely. of the bands that were like, when I hear like, we toured with it, we loved the Dead Boys, you know, Steve unfortunately passed away, but he had a voice, but when he sang, it was never, harmoni it was never harmonious, right? Mm -hmm. When he sang Sonic Reducer, you felt it in your cojones, but you didn't say, oh, that's a love song. I mean, Joey could move you with his voice because he, I always, to this day, I feel like he was like the Bing Crosby of punk rock. Definitely. You know? uh -huh. And he has, and will always have, I think, the best voice. And it's funny, I don't even, it's funny. It's like they're not hardcore, they're not even punk. They're like, they create their own sound. Um, and I know they got the whole punk thing and it helped them in some ways create a genre. But they were, they were sort of outside of, I think Didi wrote the song Outside of Society. Um, and that's sort of what it's like being in a band or even being a roadie, by the way. But that song outside is representative of like they were sort of outside any real or I would say pigeonholed music genre, if you ask me. Right. So, yeah. you know, Psychotherapy was a great song he wrote with Johnny. It's like, what's that about? Well, that's that's like the that's truly their, you know, that's their vibe is like this is who we are. I mean, when I say this is who we are, it's like we want you all kids out there to know that. You can be messed up because we're messed up, but look, you can still make mm. make it be messed up, right? Um, yeah. yeah. Well, they had they had a, a sense of humor about it, and I think <laughs> yes, that's... they were beautiful, right? South Park, right? Yeah. yeah. That's why yeah. it was so good. I I I'm glad you brought up those other two songs because something I forgot to mention about this one. Mm. This is our last track off Subterranean Jungle mm -hmm. we're covering, wow. and it's and it is sort of a weird. It's a weird album, and a lot of things you've brought up, Matt, all kind of tie into it. Mm. Obviously, we have a little bit of the fighting. And, you know, the drama with that. It's funny you mentioned the drum noise, or the drum sound, because mm -hmm. this song in particular starts with what Molly and I refer to as the Joan Jett drums, <laughs> yeah. with that sort of, like, it's not it's not an earlier Ramones snare sound. It's mm -hmm. this other, I don't know, flat, almost fat sound. Tinny. Yeah, real thin. Yeah. Um, no, you're talking, about, the, you're talking yeah. about Subterranean Jungle? Yeah, and, oh, yeah, and this song in particular, yeah, talking, yeah. just, just oh, yeah, it, yeah, it's, the, it's a weird... So, it, I mean, because it's Richie Cordell producing totally, yeah, this. Totally, Richie yeah, Cordell, and they wanted, yeah. yeah. And he apparently the complaint is, and the, history has it that it was three drummers. It was Marky, Richie, and then I guess the guy from uh, Walter Lorig that's played guitar on it or something. Um, yeah, I, I was going to say, I think the solo on this song, that's... Came this from, is when he started hanging around. I'm sure it was Walter Lure. Yeah, he played a lot of guitar for them off track, and um, they yeah. loved him. Dee Dee loved him for sure. 
Mm. Just as a person, they used to always hang out and do uh, smack together back in the day, I imagine. <laughs> but um, what was really nice is that I feel like, here's the thing. It's these details that people talk about in these freaking reviewers. It's like you, all that mattered was there was, was the fans' responses to the songs, right? Yeah, um, definitely. And all this other stuff is I kind of think is, and I remember clearly um, just <laughs> when it, you know, you, I don't have to tell you the history of Gaba Gaba Hey, but when they would do Gaba Gaba Hey, and when they would do, even when they would do um, uh, the cover songs, even people mocked them. The kids were like, from one, from the first song to the last song, when each set was maybe they did 40 songs in 25 minutes, whatever. The, in the right moment, the right atmosphere, the kids were just like, they were, they were like loving the energy. Remember, the Ramones were more, it was almost like they were playing energy sometimes more than they were playing music. And that's me trying yeah. to be a philosopher. In their live show. Yeah, in the live show. I'm sorry. Yeah, of course, yeah. in the live show. And that's why I think they lived for their live show. That's why. That's what killed them, by the way, is touring too much. But that's also what yeah. they needed to live because if they, no one was, most bands, even we was like, you're off the road for too long, you're going to get in trouble. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm being quite honest about that. I mean, when you have certain personality traits, uh, hanging yeah. out in the clubs too long, having too much free time. It's, I'm always amazed, like, some of the biggest bands in the world. And unfortunately, some great bands that are, make a lot of money, sometimes there's, you know, they may not tour enough, so those musicians are left to their own devices, and bad things can happen, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> bad things uh, happen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the, what is it? It's like idle hands of the devil's play thing? Yes, yes. And, yeah. um, and, I mean, Dee Dee was uh, such a, it's funny because Dee Dee was such a beautiful soul. Like, we used to, I mean, if you saw him, like, just being Dee right, he'd be like, he acted like, he, he was so many sides to him, obviously. I, who knew? Back then, I don't think any of us knew we had some problems, but, like, he was so loving, and he was so funny and so quirky, but then the next minute, he'd pull out a switchblade, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, sometimes, I, he asked me to drive him down to Alphabet City in the van so we could do something, you know, and I didn't know really exactly what he was doing, and Monty never wanted mm-hmm. me to do that, but. I'm here. I'm here to be the. I'm here to be the best roadie I can, right? So this. Oh yeah. We, also, it's probably going to be a crazy adventure, and who doesn't want a crazy yeah, adventure? Right, right. right. And then, yeah, and then remember, we're sort of Matt and I. Even though we're on the road, we're sort of raised by. I don't want to say. By the way, Joey was raised by a beautiful. His their mother, Charlotte, was amazing. So it's not like yeah. no one really had an excuse to be an asshole. To be honest with you, sorry, I shouldn't have cursed. Can we edit that so you out. You can say asshole. Okay, yeah. say whatever you want. Because Charlotte, there, Mickey's mother, who passed, a great artist, yeah. loved the. Be- I mean, there was jo- Dee Dee. I can't really say that much about his parents. I didn't know. I know from what I heard about Johnny's parents. I didn't know Johnny at all in that personal way. But mm. which more more of a hard ass, you know, more of a uh, sort of an army kind of guy, which is probably where Johnny got his things. And mm-hmm. um, but there was no, there was no. You couldn't say, here's the thing, you couldn't really say, I couldn't say no to Dee Dee or Joey. Yeah. Because at the time, you, and for some odd reason, and everyone's different, but when everyone grows up differently, and for some odd reason, maybe I even needed more than Matt. I felt this need to be there for them in this emotional way, right? Um, yeah. And, um, and I mean, like, as, and it's kind of weird because now I say it's like, I feel like, oh my God, what a loser I must have been. But it's like, uh, one, of the, one of my jobs I took on was to, you know, switch out their leather jackets because both Dee Dee and Joe would come off the stage and they'd, you know, they would be drenched in the leather jackets. And by the way, they didn't even know they were drenched, but they were drenched and my job was to, they didn't know it was my job, but I took off their other jackets and I gave them the nice mm-hmm. cozy, I gave yeah. them the nice cozy clean ones and I took out the other ones and rang them, whatever I need to do to get them clean, you know, or yeah. so they wouldn't be stanky wow. the next day. But, <laughs> um, and Joey needs a little bit of help getting off the stage. Dee Dee was just, they were just so um, innocent. I guess that's the word I'm, uh, you know, they were, mm-hmm. 
they, they really were the innocent guys that I felt needed the most help. But also, they wrote all the songs, you know, but they couldn't have, they, the band couldn't drive that hard if it wasn't for Johnny. The band couldn't survive some of the intellectual decisions if it wasn't for Tommy. So those four, four members, it was almost like they both, all four of them always had to be present to make that band work. Yeah. Yeah. And I That's think, what we've kind of stumbled on too, is that, yeah, I don't know. It's this table takes four legs. Separately, <laughs> the, separately, the pieces seem like they don't go anywhere, but then yeah. they all fit together perfectly. Yeah, yeah. You know? it's be- no. better than some of their parts. Yeah, what we yeah, that's be- yeah, 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 that's yeah, that's um, perfectly said. So r- real quick, sure, I'm sorry, I wanted to throw in. Well, no, that's this is what we're here for. Yeah, um, but I did want to mention just like because we talk about live stuff, they never played this live in case anyone cared. Uh-huh. Doesn't seem like a big surprise to me. Um, I was going to move into sort of our feelings about this particular song. Sure. Which, which I will start and say, I don't have many. Because mm-hmm. I, I always kind of forget this song exists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It sounds like a couple other songs. Yeah. Particularly, there's one called I Don't Want You, which is from Road to Ruin. Yeah. yeah. Which, I mean, sort of similar sentiment, but I mean, it literally sounds very similar. Yeah. And I think I forgot about that song, too. Yeah. Um, I don't know. This is not my... I kind of like Subterranean Jungle quite a bit, but I don't know that I like this song so much how do you feel about this song matt yeah um the best part about the song is um and i agree you know there's certain songs that when you hear them on stage you actually can't you know um you you love them because you know what they're gonna how you you're gonna feel when you listen to them you know how they're gonna make the audience feel the best Mm -hmm. thing about this song was joey's oh yes you know Mm -hmm. yeah i believe joey i mean it's fun funny i always was like joey can joey turn oh yeah into like a into like a symphonic sentence right and i think he was always inspired by like the girl 60s bands from when everything i remember um yeah. and i that's my favorite part of the song and he did that in many songs but th- yeah this song to me it's nothing it's his way of saying i'm not, i'm holding up my finger you know which finger i'm holding up to the world but it's like yeah. this is what he's saying to that person who did this to him and, and yeah. apparently um this was really a he was there was a lot of he wasn't given a lot of play and he he didn't always stand up for himself let me start there or mm-hmm. end there whatever but so if Johnny said something and he didn't have the power he had later on in his career, um, when he was more felt all of a sudden he's an equal to Johnny, not in terms of skill, but in terms of power, because Johnny mm-hmm. could be so overwhelming with his powerful personality. Um, and Joey was only like that. Remember, Joey was only like that when he was singing, right? So yeah. if he, he, would, he could easily be pushed aside or pushed, pushed around a little bit. And I think um, Joey only wrote like two songs on this album. And neither of them were, were his masterpieces by any means. Meanwhile, yeah. Yeah. But look how brilliant he is. He sang all the Didi songs and even some of the covers with all of his heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that shows you kind of the person he was. He would love, if he loved the song, even if he didn't write it, he would perform it till his heart fell out of his chest. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and that's what made him so special, right? I think yeah. because it didn't have to be his song. And he, in, in, in some ways, he and Didi were one, but completely different in other ways, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, yeah. Definitely. That's what, that's the charm. Yeah, so yeah, I didn't, think much, I didn't think much of the time. I was actually, I actually wanted to talk about um, the song that I sort of inspired, but I don't want to take up too much oh, well, time. Oh, well, let's do, let's save that for, let's tease that for next time. Uh, um, next time. But let's, but let me get the votes in. Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, unless, Molly, do you have a, do you have a word you want to throw towards? Well, um, I just had a few thoughts. One is that uh, the, there's a couple lines in here hanging around my door and I don't want to see your face no more, which I feel like they've actually written those words in other songs before, oh, yeah. oh, you yeah. know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, not only does the music, does it musically sound like other songs they've done, I think they've just 
use these words, you <laughs> yes, know? Yes, so we, we always talk about, about, you know, sometimes they walk a fine line between reusing themes and kind of just doing the same thing they've already done before. Yeah. <laughs> so the song has a little, has a couple maybe recycled parts it feels like yeah and then like oh i don't know yeah Yeah, which is fine i mean we 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 get that from the ramones a lot but um the way he says a cuckoo coo it's like for me (laughs) that makes it seem like he's referencing that maybe she's kind of crazy or you know know, i always thought it was ooh 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 until i looked it up and then everywhere i saw it was cuckoo coo and then i started thinking of like that show Brooklyn Nine Nine, where he oh, says cool, cool, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Well, it also cool. reminds like, hey. me. Well, so then my my other thought about this song is that he uses a lot of business terms. You know, they had a plan, they made a deal, yeah, like yeah, sure. all this stuff, yeah. which which really makes me think about Johnny and the band and the business of the band and how that relationship was hurt by Linda. Um, and so yeah, I just I just thought that that was really interesting when yeah, sure. I was first listening to this song about it is. Not my favorite song by the Ramones, but it is very heartbreaking. Yeah. I think just in how devastated Joey and I know he's writing this song too. So, yeah, um, yeah. you know, I, I I think he could have written a better song, but in general, um, the song makes me feel very sad. Okay. Well, it's <laughs> you funny know? that um, it's funny just, and I don't even want to say because you're a woman, because um, that's that's not how we talk today. But you definitely <laughs> said something right now that I think was. Um, just the higher, when I say I'm warm, I don't mean like, it's like you actually are up here 30,000 feet. And I'm looking at it like for the matter of fact, like, oh, it's like I said, the Ramones, you always knew, sort of knew what they were thinking about what they said most of the time, mm-hmm. even if they were weird songs like psychotherapy or lobotomy mm-hmm. or, um, but this, what you just said about the depth of this relationship, it could have been about Linda and Johnny and the entire mm-hmm. band in some ways mm-hmm. and everything he's feeling. Because I think when you're, all of us really, when you have an emotional um strife if you will whether it be good or if you have a strife or a love note it's so deep and so rich and so many complicated things that i think what you just said is so true that this whole thing i didn't even think about the bargain and the deal and and the I plan mean, there's so much so- business happening in this <laughs> totally. song about this breakup yeah. it's like yeah. i didn't even, i didn't even go there so i think that there's a i think it's just one of those songs that even though we don't like it it's actually saying a lot <laughs> you yeah know what i mean agreed um, well do you, you do get a vote matt so do you do you want to leave like or love this song um well, I can't not like something he felt because I cared about him at the time so much. And one of the, it's funny, it's a, one of the reasons Mickey liked me so much because he got it. Like, he, my relationship with Joey um, was sort of bigger than the band because um, I was the one who did make, I don't want to say this, make fun of him, right? Or uh, make fun of him is not, probably not the right term. Sure. When he had his little issues, I would never say, I would never do what Johnny would do is, what the fuck is wrong? It's part of his issues. Yeah. What is wrong with you? You can't do that. Well, hurry up, hurry up, get down the steps, move, move. But yeah. as, as opposed to, Monty got it too, by the way. Monty got it totally. Monty totally got mm-hmm. Joey. And Monty in some and so did Artie. I think Artie and Monty taught me the tolerance you needed to be a roadie, first of all, with that band back then. And yeah. also to as to be sort of a friend, if you will, and you're only a friend for so long with people when they need you, at least they're in rock and roll, but um to be a friend to them without and understanding their needs. And I think um so I'll I'll say I like it. Because um, I'm not gonna dislike anything he does or feels. You know? All right, great. Oh, that's Molly. so nice. Um, I'll say I like it too. I'm, I'm I'm not thrilled about this song, and sometimes I feel like Joey's really crooning well, and sometimes I feel like Joey's doing karaoke after work on this song. You know, yeah. so I'm gonna like it, and I'm gonna say thanks for the effort. But you know, there's, I'm gonna there's be, better in the canon. I'm gonna yeah. be mean and say I leave it. Oh yeah, I know, I'm sorry. Um, oh, I know that he has better 
things in him. So I'm yeah. I'm I'm buoying those by leaving this, but I think everyone's points are valid. Um, I almost feel stupid asking for a most valuable on this one because I feel I'm going to say uh, I'm going to give it to Joey Ramone. Nice. About I, time. What I do like about the about time. <laughs> what I do like about it is it, I, I like his vocal performance. So that's mm. that's what gets me through. Matt, yeah. I would I would almost assume you're the same, but I have to formally ask you. What, you know, I mean, I understand, I understand your question. Oh, uh, who is the most valuable Ramon on this song? Oh, on it's a game song. we play. Oh, yes. yeah, on this song? Yeah, well, I would have to say Joey, of course. Yeah. Of course. Uh, and I will also, of course, yeah. say Joey. That's a triple J. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But, um, triple J. <laughs> triple J. I do want to say that the, um, yeah. I think the song with the most valuable title, and it brings me back to South Park, is Every Time I Eat Vegetables, It Makes Me Think of You. Yeah, yeah. I mean, which is also his. Yeah, exactly. But that's definitely a, a South Park ditty. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's, you're right. That's that is a that's a season one level. <laughs> it's totally, weird, totally. Just like there's probably aliens involved and maybe yeah, yeah, talking yeah. animals, but yeah. I'm eating somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. strange. And actually, I my favorite that. song, my favorite song actually on the album though is Outsider. Mm-hmm. I think it to me yeah. it represented everything I was feeling. Matt, little Matt was feeling. I think it was everything the entire band was feeling. Um, up uh, certainly when I was working with them, and I'm sure really their whole careers because. And if you, it's such a beautiful song. I mean, uh, it says everything, right? I'm an yeah. outsider, outside of everything. I mean, it just says everything. And uh, and you, by the way, a couple of minutes ago, you talked about Joey repeating songs. You know, um, mm-hmm. like this whole thing about in uh, the song we just discussed is like he had this great line in. Um, you don't know what I can do with this axe. Chop off your head so you better relax. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I mean, that's definitely a better version of this song that we just discussed. But it's sort of yes. saying the same thing, right? This, right. The, yes. You know, yeah, you're like, right. And who write, who can write that lyric and, and make you want to dance to it? That's the that's why they were beautiful, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, well, I'm we're we're gonna. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm now. I'm sad to say goodbye to subterranean, subterranean jungle. jungle. But, I, yeah. but yeah, I'm glad you brought them up. And I, I, oh, yeah, no. thank you, Matt, for joining us. Yeah, and we have more. For subterranean. We'll have more with you uh, in a little while. But yeah, thanks for joining us today. You have any last thoughts about subterranean jungle or what what'd you do, or do you want to save some stuff? To tease for next time. No, no, I just think it's great that the love you share with for the band, and, and uh, that's what I think is amazing. And thank you for letting me well, be part of it. Sure. Listen, I have one last question for you, Matt. Where, okay. where does Subterranean Jungle land for you as far as Ramon's albums go? Ooh. Well, I actually really like it, but I think Leave Home is Rocket to Rush and Leave. Well, first, uh, first album, Ramon's Ramon's, uh, Rocket to Rush and Leave Home are by far my favorite albums. Yeah. Um, by far, because it felt to me like that, that was, those are the Ramones that I work with. Those are the Ramones I always knew. And, and yeah. I know that like, they hired this guy to, what's his name, the guy from um, Joan Jett's uh, Rock, you know, Rocky, whatever this guy's name is. Oh, Richard Cordell. Richard Cordell. They hired him to yeah. try to get a hit. They hired Phil Spector to try to get a hit. Yeah. Uh, that album, I mean, so I have a lot of more opinions about it. But this is just to me, these songs are like what I remember the kids going crazy over. Dancing yeah, to. yeah. And that's, that's why I'm so, uh, these three albums, the first three albums are the ones that mean the most to me because. You know, I was part of that world, and um, I think the yeah. kids just to seeing the kids was like I said, their reaction to it was like pure emotion when it was live. No one else made me feel that way live, except mm. for maybe I know it sounds corny, but back then Jeff O'Toole, before he became oh, yeah. a salmon fisherman, you know, and Led Zeppelin <laughs> and uh, and the Stones, you know, only certain people could make it feel a certain way during live shows. But there was only one Joey, and and I really yeah. knew that, you know. All right, that's it for now, though. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, thank you again. Molly, you have any other last uh, That's good for me. Thank right, you cool. so much, Matt. Well, yeah, thanks again. And thanks, everybody, for listening to us today. You can follow us on Twitter. We're at Ramones Podcast. 
and you can join us the next time when we will be discussing What's Your Game on Ramones of the Day. Mm -hmm.